U.S. interest rates moves, um, what is the impact on gold prices of that? Yeah, you know, Sakina, obviously, uh, you know, in the last week or so, we've seen the economic data out of the U.S. getting uh, a lot better, you know, and we've seen a number of uh, uh, Federal Reserve uh, governors weighing in on, um, you know, on on, on their views on where interest rates in the U.S. should go and reiterating that, uh, you know, the time would be appropriate for an increase in interest rates in the U.S. in the coming months. We saw Janet Yellen reiterate that sentiment um, on Friday, and on the back of that, we've seen quite a lot of dollar strength and uh, you know we've seen quite a lot of volatility um, in global markets particularly in commodity prices again and the reason for this is that uh, you know if, if interest rates in the US go up it's essentially seen as uh, the opportunity cost of holding uh, thing, of holding commodities like gold that don't pay an income increases because uh, you know if you have higher interest rates you can earn more um, you can earn more when keeping cash on deposit and therefore you know commodities become less attractive and we see commodity prices coming under pressure and that's really filtered through this month with gold prices off um, you know somewhere in the region of seven to seven and a half percent for the month and this uh, you know puts a strong dent in the year-to-date gains which uh, gold had experienced up to uh, you know the beginning of May so we saw year-to-date gains uh, up uh, around 20 percent and those have now been moderated to around 13 percent and that's really on the back of uh, you know fears of increase the increased uh, opportunity cost of holding gold because if interest rates in the U.S. go up and if, uh, you know, this this, uh, it, it reduce, this increases the amount of income investors can, can, can have by keeping money on deposit and reduces the attractiveness of commodities that essentially pay no income. So it's really on the back of that. And, uh, you know, it's going to obviously be a really important uh, June Federal Reserve Open Market Committee meeting and the market is going to watch the meeting fairly closely for an interest rate increase and if it doesn't come in June well there's another Federal Reserve meeting in July and the market really expects uh, you know that the interest rate increase will happen at one of the two so while uh, the, uh, the market is and the far market is pricing in about a 30% probability of an increase in the June meeting um, you know that ramps up to quite a lot to about a 50% probability of a hike in the July meeting so you know t- time to tighten your, uh, your, your seatbelt Akina because it seems like the U.S. interest rates hiking cycle is going to be resumed in the next couple of months. Like we can afford it. But let's talk about the substantial 100 U.S. dollar outflow from equity funds this year. Yes, Sakina, I mean, $100 billion, that's quite a substantial number. And I think it's on the back of, uh, you know, deteriorating sentiments, uh, expanded multiples, and just generally, uh, you know, nervousness amongst investors. So, uh, you know, we're seeing volatility spiking. We've seen the VIX index spiking in the local context. We've seen the SAVI index spiking, which is essentially the same as the, the, the VIX index in the U.S. And on the back of this, we're seeing, uh, you know, strong support from a uh, strong outflows from, from equity funds and strong inflows into uh, income and investment-grade bond funds. You know, in, on, on the reverse of that, we've seen about uh, you know, $70 billion inflow into bond funds and about uh, $15 billion uh, inflows into, into cash and money market funds. So it's a signature trade of nervous investors and investors waiting on the sideline with a significant amount of cash and income assets waiting to deploy it into the equity market after, one, there's either more certainty as to the direction 
direction or two, um, you know, we see corporate profitability improving and we see earnings growth uh, really coming through, which we haven't seen so far in 2016. Um, you know, or three, we see further support from central banks, which at the moment seems unlikely from the Federal Reserve, obviously, um, you know, and the, and, and, and the ECB is already at full tilt. So, you know, we see a lot of nervousness amongst global investors keeping money on the sidelines. Um, you know, what this means is that uh, it brings up the question, well, have global equities found the floor because of the substantial amount of outflows we've already seen and we're just waiting for capital to be deployed into the markets? And, uh, you know, it, it, it just continuously reiterates the, the, the ongoing need for earnings growth, Sakina. And once we see earnings growth, we're going to see this money flow back into the equity markets as, uh, you know, PE multiples, uh, you know, unwind and, you know, and, and investors feel more comfortable with the kind of valuations they're paying up for equities. So, you know, we have to see earnings growth, number one, and we have to see improved sentiment, number two, before we see a reversal of this $100 billion outflow from equity funds so far this year. I think another big contributor to this is that obviously a number of the uh, states, uh, the, the oil states have been coming under severe pressure because of lower oil prices, and they've had to finance uh, budget deficits, which they haven't had in a very long period of time. So sovereign wealth assets have been liquidated, given that these countries have substantial sovereign wealth assets. Um, you know, there's been quite a rapid liquidation of that, carried over into 2016, really, from, from 2015, as the oil price declines uh, continue this year. Well, recovered a little bit more recently, but certainly up until about, uh, you know, six weeks ago or so, the oil price remained very depressed, and sovereign wealth assets were liquidating uh, global equity holdings to quite a significant degree in order to finance budget deficits. So all the stacks up against equities, Sakina, and I think the only thing which we'll see a reversal in this trend is uh, earnings growth and improved sentiment from global investors. And Nadir, just uh, very briefly, what is the investment case for Truworths at this point? Yeah, you know, Sakina, we obviously all know the very negative headlines surrounding, uh, you know, the South African economy and very much warranted with economic growth forecast to be under 1% this year and the retailer remaining exceptionally stretched and increasing interest rates, which obviously all translates into a poorer outlook for uh, retail consumption. Um, you know, and obviously the unemployment numbers at 26.7% certainly don't help. But, you know, if we look at this, uh, the, the stock within the overall retail index, I mean, the they reported results uh, very recently and was a stellar set of numbers. They managed to grow their organic top line growth by, uh, you know, double digits, around 15 to 16 percent. Um, you know, and this is exceptionally impressive given the very low footprint they have outside of South Africa. So a lot of that wasn't wasn't necessarily currency gains, um, you know, and, and, and we also saw an improvement in their margins and a very a, a very smart management team, you know, uh, realizing the need to uh, to to expand their offshore earnings base and in so doing uh, added the um, the company office retail uh, operating out of Europe to the, to their consumer base with already a footprint in Germany and a lot of Eastern Europe and uh, looking to expand through the rest of Europe, which gives a hard current underpin um, to Truworth earnings and uh, we also saw uh, management taking steps in the right direction you know we saw credit sales falling we saw cash sales improving um, you know we saw uh, uh, cash sales growth also improving but as a percentage of total sales credit sales falling from 60% to around 40% and cash sales improving to around 60% so we see management heading in the right direction we also saw gross margins um, you know improving to the mid 20s 
2020s, um, you know, which is a really impressive number given the underlying economic conditions. And uh, this is predominantly on the back of uh, cost-cutting as well as uh, stocking higher-margin products and now adding uh, offshore retail to, to their portfolio. So their margins improving, their cash sales improving, um, you know, not trading on a demanding multiple, uh, you know, and uh, uh, increasingly starting to deploy their large cash base into the offshore market to gain hard currency exposure. So, um, you know, it's it's these pockets of opportunity in an overall expensive market which present quite a compelling opportunity, Sakina. Well, my dear token, thank you so much.